Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. According to a Rasmussen poll of 1,200 registered voters conducted in 2022, 84% of those polled believed a strong family is foundational to a strong America and that parents should bear the primary responsibility for raising children. Only 11% said raising children is a community responsibility. Of those that were polled, 67% believe that the decline of the family is harmful to American growth and prosperity. And 65% think that children who grew up in fatherless homes are at a significant disadvantage in life. Well, here's the problem. Unfortunately, as we're all aware, broken families, fatherlessness, and the government stepping in to take over traditional parenting duties, like instilling values, are an increasingly common fact in our American life. According to data from 2022, there are approximately 18.3 million children across America who live without a father in the home. That's about one in four kids. The U.S has the highest rate globally of children living in single-parent households. As of 2019, a staggering 23% of children live with one parent and no other adults, which was over three times the global average of 7%. In China and India, the number stands at 3% and 4% respectively. What does that say about American values? What does that say about American virtue? What does that say about American faith? What does that say about the phrase, in God we trust? What does it say about the future of America? That's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint, and I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always. With ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And quite frankly, if if what we talk about here today is not deeply convicting in our minds and hearts and moves us in some way to a positive response to the issue, to the problem, then you might as well just sign America's death warrant. It's that clear. According to the National Center for Fathering, If it were classified as a disease, fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a national emergency. A national emergency. In other words, it should be dealt with even more clearly, even more responsibly than COVID was, even though it was a put-on, largely based upon Deception for fall under false pretenses. We're dealing with something here, friends, that is so fundamental, so foundational to the future of our country, and in fact, the future of the church and the future of our families, that we cannot afford not to take it seriously. Now, you might say, well, my children live 
with their father and their mother in our household. Okay? That's a wonderful thing. That's a good thing. But do they truly have a father that's truly present? Now, you could be present physically in the home, but not present emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. And that's where the problem is. The problem is that even those men who are in the home are disconnected from the home and from the lives and families, the future of their children, the feelings of their children, the emotions of their children, the hopes and dreams of their children. And so when, since 1986, it has been concluded that the United States is the world's leader in fatherless families. Does that not say something causing us to wince in our minds, in our hearts, that we really aren't the nation that we pretend to be, or that we think of ourselves that we are? Just asking. So on Viewpoint today, we're dealing with one of the most important issues that we could possibly talk about. And no, don't say, well, this is a complex problem. No, it's not a complex problem. It's very simple. Fathers, fathers in the home, fathers sow the seed that brings forth children, and therefore fathers have a duty before God to raise those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord by faith, with consistency, with loving care, and with spiritual vision to prepare them for life and for eternity. That's what a father is to do. That's not difficult. Well, let's put it this way. It's not difficult to explain what it is that we need to do. What's difficult is being faithful. As the song once said, may all who come behind us find us faithful. I remember what it was like when my first daughter, my oldest daughter, was uh, conceived and born. And the Lord put upon my heart a very strong sense of mandate, of urgency, as a man, as a father, to truly take seriously raising her not only in a generic sense in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, taking her to church and so on, but to be proactive as a father, mentoring, monitoring, messaging, embracing, and doing so with continuity with an expectation that she would know that God loved her because I loved her and demonstrated it as faithfully as I could as a human being made in God's image. The net result is she serves you. Her name is Nicole. And she serves you every single day via viewpoint, Save America Ministries. She is my right hand, so to speak. Not my wife with the ministry. My wife 
is a supporter behind the scenes. But my eldest daughter, Nicole, is the one who specifically assists both me and you with regard to our connectivity, with regard to this radio program and all of those ministry things that we do, all with my wife's support. It's a wonderful thing. My other two daughters love the Lord and are seeking to follow him as best they understand, and that's a good thing. Are they perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. But we're to move on unto perfection. And that's what we want to set as our goal here today on Viewpoint. What does that mean, dads? What does that mean, fathers? What does that mean, grandfathers? Can we catch that vision? And if so, how can we catch that vision, remembering that today, today is the first day of the rest of your life? We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. To some degree, fathering is a bit of a mystery. We understand God says that he is our father, and we're to worship him as our father. You see, Jesus was the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. But he also said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, because I and the father are one. Notice the continuing connection for fathering. You cannot, we cannot, I cannot fully comprehend the nature of the gospel of the scriptures without more fully comprehending the nature of God as a father. Well, he reveals himself through various names as a father. He calls himself Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who is the God who is present or provides. Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, and so on. He has named himself by the characteristics by which he wants you and me to identify him as a true and legitimate father. He wants us to have that kind of a relationship. Yes, a warmth of relationship but also a relationship that realizes that father knows best in the household of faith. But that's an, that's an anomaly here today in America, isn't it? Today in America, we say father knows almost nothing. And anything that father says is, dem- is derided, mocked, jeered at, demeaned. No, men, it's time for us to stand up. Not stand up for our rights, but stand up for our responsibilities. That's where the problem is. We try to stand up for our rights. But what God is looking for is for us to stand up for our responsibilities. And when we don't, 
we have self-abandoned the very blessing and purpose for which God has ordained us, guys. Now, we all fail. In one way or another, we all fail because we're all human beings. So every father fails at some time and in some way, to some degree, both in attitude and in action. On the other hand, God calls us to perfection. It's a goal. It's a desire. And that desire will define our destiny. A hope rather than a guaranteed heritage. Yet despite our failures, faithfully living fatherhood is being fulfilled in our time and leaves a legacy for all time. So do you want to leave a legacy? I'm not talking about money. Money is relatively irrelevant. What is relevant is that which is of the spirit. Our spiritual legacy. And it's not just getting our child to say uh, some sinner's prayer. Any more than giving birth to a baby as a neonate is the goal of fathering. Any man can be a sperm donor. But that's not what a father is. A father has something much greater. There's a mystery about fathering, just as there's a mystery about God. The Bible talks about the mystery of God. It talks about the mystery of the gospel. All kinds of mysteries. But it isn't all that mysterious. It's it's not that mysterious because God wants us to understand it. He wants to have a father's viewpoint concerning life. We who purport to be the spiritual, spiritual as sons of God in our own generation have to give further consideration with everything else in the kingdom of God that the very nature of our fatherhood bears the mark of mystery, the mystery of the gospel. And it begins with marriage. It does. It begins with marriage. So fatherhood bears the marks of a great mystery. You and I are called to live this mystery out and reveal it in an understanding way with our kids and our grandchildren and with all in our spheres of influence. But there are four main reasons why Christian fathers are destined to do otherwise and have unnecessary levels of failure. And we're going to consider those in just a few moments. So, I want to just encourage all of us today to take this matter seriously of our fathering. Remember, it's not just being in the home. Anybody can be in the home, theoretically. It's what I do when I'm in the home. What are my goals? How do I spend my time when I'm in the home? What is the kind of involvement that I have with my sons and my daughters when I'm in the home? Do I truly see myself as a representative of God to them, to 
prepare and train them and to mentor them and disciple them, not just with biblical knowledge, but with a heart for God? Am I displaying that with what they see in my life? You know, it's kind of like monkey see, monkey do. People are much more interested in what we do than in what we say. That doesn't mean we shouldn't say things. We should. But our lives need to go along with what we say. Be consistent, congruent. And that's what makes a father a man of integrity. So we want to be men of integrity. And I want to make available to you my book, Hearts of the Fathers. How to Leave a Legacy That Lasts. I believe it's one of the most important books I have ever written. One of the reasons it's one of the most important books I've ever written is because it has more potential impact for the future than the other books that I've written. Because it's so practical. It's so applicational. It goes to the very heart of God. In fact, it actually speaks to the end times. Because... If you'll read the book of Malachi, you find that it ends with God saying through Malachi that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that is before Christ comes and begins to pour out his judgment on the earth, on the wicked, the children of disobedience, he's going to raise up and send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Consider, that's what we're doing right now. It's a fulfillment. It's a partial fulfillment of that calling. And it needs to happen through many voices. But that is what we're doing right now. That's the reason the book was written. Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. It's a $23 hardbound book, and it's yours for $18 on our website, saveus.org. A hardbound book, $23, yours for $18 on our website, saveus.org. Or you can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 2. 3255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Probably the best Father's Day gift you could ever give to your husband, my dear wives, or your husband as a grandfather, whether as a father or a grandfather, or a father to be. It's huge. There are tears coming, lurking below my eyes right now as I share these things because I know how big and how serious and how ultimately impactful this is. The problem is that with men today, this is like paddling a canoe straight up Niagara Falls. I don't know why such resistance among men. to be genuine fathers in the name of the Father. To live out that faithful 
fathering attitude and spirit and to give it everything that they have as their life calling, their ultimate life calling on this planet. And that's what it is. And when Christ comes back, I I just really believe that when the judgment day comes, he's going to be exploring what we men did as fathers or didn't do. And we're going to be held accountable for it. This isn't something to just be taken for granted. This isn't something to just be uh, cavalierly dismissed. Oh, yeah, somebody's talking about, yeah, okay, yeah, I've heard this before. No. This is something very big. It's impactful. It's momentous in the mind and heart of God. Why do you think God wanted to identify himself over and over and over again as a father? Yes, he wanted to be identified as God, but also as father. And he said, if I be a father, where's my honor? Malachi chapter 1, if I be a father, where is my honor? Are fathers being honored today? No. One of the reasons fathers are not being honored today is because they've abandoned We have abandoned the vision that God sought for us to live out in his name. You and I, men, are called to be, shall we say, the father of God, the father God in the flesh on this planet. No, we're not called to be God, but we're his representatives. We're deputized to be his and his mind, his heart expressed on the planet. If we catch that vision and begin to live it out, life is going to change. This is the only hope, friends, the only tangible, real hope for the future of this country. And it has to start in God's house. That's where the judgment's going to start. Judgment will begin at the house of God. So the hope for the future has to begin in God's house. And that means in your house. If you're a professing believer. It's not something we can dismiss cavalierly. It's something that we have to embrace wholeheartedly. Now let's suppose that you're hearing what I'm saying here. You say, you know, it it sounds so good, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. I just, I don't have that vision All right, here's what I suggest. Ask God to give you the vision. Very simple. Say, Lord, I don't quite have that understanding, that vision. I want to have it. I want to walk this out by faith. I want to be faithful and honest and courageous. I want to step up and be a true man, a true husband, a true father. Help me to understand and begin to walk in it. You know what? If you're honest, he will. If you're not honest about it, he won't, because he can't trust you. But if you're really honest about it, he will. Now, how serious is this? Well, in terms of actual fatherlessness, here are, according to the CDC, that is Centers for Disease Control, 
the Department of Justice, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Census Bureau. Children who live apart from their fathers account for 63% of teen suicides, 70% of juvenile incarcerations, 71% of high school dropouts, 85% of youths in prison, 85% of children with behavioral disorders, 86% of rapists, 90% of homeless and runaway children, 90% of children living in poverty, and 100% of gang members. Doesn't that tell us? how serious the absence of fathers is in the home. But that's just the actual physical presence of the father. Just think how much more important it is for the spiritual presence of the father who has the vision not just to take the kids to church, but to truly be a discipler of his children, a true Like Jesus with his disciples, we become to our kids. That's what it should look like. We'll be right back. Stay tuned, friends. So much more to talk about here on the program today. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Pastor Greg Laurie out there in California. By the way, he was one of the major figures in the book, The uh, uh, Jesus Revolution. Remember that he came out of that Jesus revolution uh, with Chuck Smith and therefore became a spiritual leader in the country. So God, if God could infuse that into Greg Laurie, who was uh, not a God fearing person at the time of the Jesus revolution, uh, then he can do it for you. And he wrote a piece that I want to I want to share just a few words from this to encourage you today. He's talking about the relationship between men and women in the household. He says, dads, it's time to man up, to truly be a man of God. Your role is important, and you've got to be faithful in it. Almost every social ill in America today can be traced directly back to the breakdown of the family and to fathers who have abandoned their responsibilities who aren't doing what God has called them to do. So he says, why is it it's the wife who frequently says at the mealtime, well, we should pray? And why is it the wife who says, hey, will you read a Bible story to the kids and pray with them before they go to bed? Why didn't the father take that initiative? And why is it it's a wife who says, we need to get ready for church? Wives are taking the initiative in their families, the spiritual initiative. Why is that? That's the father's responsibility. 
I'm so glad. I, I can only be eternally grateful that the that the Holy Spirit dropped that understanding and infused it deeply in my mind and heart back in 1972 when my oldest daughter was born. And I lived that out. My wife would tell you, and she reminds me regularly of the things that I did on a practical, everyday basis to demonstrate that in the life of our girls. And I was a very busy lawyer. Very busy lawyer. I had my own law practice. Very successful. I was involved on many boards in leadership positions throughout Southern California. I spoke all over Southern California as a businessman and lawyer. So you say, well, how did you find time then to do what you're talking about doing with your kids. I didn't find the time. I made the time. Because I realized it was the most important responsibility I had. The most important responsibility I had was not to win cases in the courtroom, as important as that was. The most important responsibility was not to serve on this board and that board and the other board and become well-known. The most important responsibility was not to run twice for the state legislature. The most important responsibility was to raise up my daughters to honor the Lord with their entire life as demonstrated by their father's example. Was it perfect? No, I'm not perfect. Neither are you. But we're called to perfection, friends. Jesus said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Greg Laurie goes on to say, it's the job of fathers to train their children, to bring them up in the way of the Lord. And the reason we bring them up is because their sinful nature brings them down. But he says right now in our culture, we're losing fathers at an unprecedented rate. We're rapidly becoming a fatherless society. And if husbands and fathers would do what they're called to do and take the initiative and lead their homes, he said it would change our country. It would make all the difference if we would truly be men of God. So he said it's time, dads, to, to man up. Be a man of God. That's our most important role. He's right. He's absolutely right. So, why do we fail? Maybe you should say, maybe you would prefer to say, okay, so what should we do? Well, what we should do is lurking within the lines of why we fail. Did you know that the majority of the Bible is negative? Not positive, negative. You know why that is? Because God knows the depths of our struggle, rebellion, sinfulness, and so on. And so he grinds that message into our minds and hearts and then shows us what the remedy is. After he's shown us what the problem is, that's the whole message of the Bible from beginning to end. 
Unfortunately, we don't teach it that way because our pastors think that doesn't market it well. Well, then you'll have to take that up with God because that's what he thought was necessary. So, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some reasons why we fail. Why fathers fail. And, in fact, I have a chapter in my book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy the Last, just with that title, When Fathers Fail. So, why is it we fail? Well, number one, we fail to embrace the future now. Right now. The future is always right now. It begins now, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year. It doesn't begin after I graduate or get some degree. It doesn't begin after my business is established or financial savings appear to secure the future of my family. It doesn't begin then. It begins right now. It doesn't begin after the sports season that attracts me so much is done. Because there are always excuses ahead. They multiply like rabbits. We all know that. And we can rationalize waiting for the next back season. But it just never seems to come around, does it? So the future is always now, not next month. It's today. We might actually coin a bumper sticker. Decision today, destiny tomorrow. Decision today, destiny tomorrow. That would be a good viewpoint definer for uh, fathering. So that's the first thing. Why fathers fail? We fail to embrace the future right now. Always putting things off. Manana. Always something that intervenes. And unfortunately, that future we said we desired never happens. And destiny has been defined contrary to our intention. Even the road to hell is paved with good intentions, we know. So how about let's just being about the Father's business starting today. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Why don't you just say that wherever you are, in your car, in your office, in your house, wherever you are, taking a walk. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. And I'm going to respond to the Holy Spirit, who is now speaking to me via this radio program to be a doer of the word and not a, not a, a hearer only, deceiving my own self. I'm not going to be self-deceived anymore. I'm going to follow the words of the Father. Okay, so the next reason why fathers fail is they fail to invest now for the future. Notice the first reason is failure to embrace the future now. The next reason is failure to invest now for the future. Now, we we understand that when it comes to money, don't we? And we know that the longer we wait to put off saving or providing for the future financially, the more difficult it becomes to reach the financial goal. 
In fact, I have a whole chapter dealing with that in the book that helps us to understand the interconnection between investing, timely investing, and what it means to leave a legacy, a godly legacy. It's not hard to understand. We understand it in the natural, but somehow we just don't make the connection spiritually. So if I clearly see that the future begins now, then by implication, that which I do or fail to do as it relates to defining our future destiny and legacy has to begin right now. So procrastination is not goodly, it's not good, it's not godly, and it leads to grave consequences. So I'm a father today. Say that out loud wherever you are. I'm a father today. And I must therefore begin a godly legacy today, not tomorrow. So remember, today was tomorrow yesterday. Today was tomorrow yesterday. And the yesterdays of our life are mounting up, but we're not living out the truth for today. Hmm. David, the psalmist, was it David or maybe it was Solomon? He said, incline my heart, help me to number my days, Lord, that I might incline my heart to wisdom. You see, we don't know how much time we have. You don't know how much time you have. Some fathers live to 30, 40, 50, 70, or 100, and you don't know when your time is called. So we have to seize the moment. It's that carpe carpe diem thing, you know, seize the day. So our time, my time, is today, right now. I have to do what God wants me to do today. And then tomorrow becomes the next today. And the day after that becomes the next today. And when I establish this pattern... Pretty soon it becomes a way of life for fathering. And I tell you, it's the most blessed way to live. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Our viewpoint concerning fathering is determining destiny. Uh, There's no question about it. Even the secular observers 
uh, experts out there looking at our society are saying that fatherlessness is the number one issue cursing our country today. They say that all of the other statistics can be directly or indirectly traced to fatherlessness in one way or another. And that includes not just fatherlessness, uh, the absence of physical fathers in the home, but I'm amplifying that. God would amplify that, the lack of fathering spiritual influence among the children. As I'm sharing with you right now, I'm recalling a uh, quote that I've remembered from my childhood as we sat around the dinner table and uh, took these little scripture verses from a little plastic container like a loaf of bread called the bread of life. And we would go around the table and read these passages. Well, on the back of the scripture verse was a quotation. And here's the one I'm remembering right now. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So how does that translate into my family? How does that translate into our country? Friends, it all begins in your house. It all begins in my house. You can't change my house, and I can't change your house, but you can change your house, and that's your responsibility to lead your family in a godly heritage, not just claiming to believe the Bible, not just going to church. It's about a life, friends. It's about a complete attitude and mind and heart set we are committed to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. As Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all the other things will be added unto you. And that's how I feel about it. Looking back over 50 years of child raising, that's exactly how I feel about it today. The same way I felt about it on day one. Never changed. Never, ever changed. But I believe that it's set a trajectory, a legacy for life and for destiny. Again, I'm sharing with you some principles out of one chapter. When Fathers Fail, out of my book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. I'm sharing with you a whole lot of other things, but right now we're talking about four major reasons why fathers fail. And in seeing how we fail, we also see how we succeed, because it's just the obverse. We discovered the future is always now, not next year, not next month or next year. And that if we fail to invest right now for the future, we're going to fail. There never will be that investment. So the book, friends, is a treasure trove for you. It really is. 
I don't believe there has been any other book about fathering quite like this book. Because it's so practical. So, it's a $23 hardbound book. Yours for $18 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Joseph Farah, who is the founder and CEO of WorldNet Daily, um, he actually, when he saw the manuscript of this book, he begged me to publish it. Literally, he begged me to be able to publish this book. He said it's the right message at the right time. Poignant, timely, relevant, and engaging. I was so thankful for that particular vote of confidence, so to speak, as there's such denigration of the role of fathers today. And we see it everywhere. The whole move toward the illegitimacy of the LGBTQ and so on movement is part of the war on fathers. It's a war also on God as creator. And we fathers are the ones that have the ability from the get-go to help our kids be able to stand in this evil day. The third reason why fathers fail is they fail to see the future power of their present ways. They fail to see the future power of their present ways. So, since since the future begins today, hope then arises from the decisions and the directions that you and I establish today. Almost everybody would probably, at least in concept, agree with that. But the problem is that life in Christ has to move quickly from concept or even confession to a real-life application. So failure to leave a godly legacy lies in the lurch between spiritual theory and transformational spiritual living. So I have to come, as a father, as a man, I have to come to absolute conviction, as a father or grandfather, as a spiritual father, that my present godly ways are the engine that God the Father is using to define and power his desired legacy for my life and for that of my kids. And to the extent that I fail to act and carry that out by faith, I compromise my desired legacy tomorrow and for the kids and grandkids. So let me ask you a rhetorical question. In your heart of hearts, do you feel that you have been diligently and faithfully and persistently, consistently, for years, embracing the future now 
investing now for the future spiritually with the lives of your kids and seeing the future power of your own present ways, the integrity of your life as it's displayed to demonstrate to your kids what it means to be a true and godly father? Or have you been living a compromised legacy, a compromised life that is defining a very questionable legacy? Okay, so the final reason, at least of these four, is the failure to connect the dots between my life and my legacy. And quite frankly, there's a straight line, nearly straight line between the way I live my life and the legacy I leave. So as men and fathers, we all know our propensity to rationalize the choices we make. We all have that ability to justify unrighteous actions. Our decisions and attitudes become relatively insignificant in the direction of our lives but they're still impacting those around us. Yet it's the the godly continuity of my life in ways seemingly small or maybe even great that actually in the end define who you and I are and the legacy we're going to leave with our kids and grandkids. So what do I have to do? I have to catch the vision which you've already talked about, we go before the Lord and we ask him to give us this heart, desire, and understanding. Since in sincerity, confessing our sin and failing and repenting, turning from that and sincerely desiring to walk out this vision with hope and joy for the future for our families. And we have to resist the the temptation to disconnect the decisions that we're making today from the looming reality of a destiny that's being defined in the minds and the hearts of those who we say we love. So I guess another way to put it would be the future is defined by the reality of my living faith today before my kids and grandkids. Now, how do we reverse this fatherly failure? Well, we all fail in one degree or another, but that's not an excuse. It's like all other aspects of our lives, but it's a matter of degree. The degree of failure is most often defined by the extent to which we do not appreciate or activate the profound nature and implications of this mystery of fatherhood what God has really called us to do and to be. And once I, as a father, and now as a grandfather with 11 grandkids, resolve that I must truly seek out the father's greater understanding and perspective concerning fatherhood, and then I determine to yield obediently, without resistance to what he reveals to me, knowing resting in his desire to bless the world through my own seemingly limited fatherly efforts, then I turn my heart 
and will bear fruit as that which seems mysterious begins to unfold. That's how God's promised it. And father, fatherly failure is never going to be reversed without sincere desire. So the first thing I have to do is have a desire. And then I have to decide to embrace the mystery of the Father's ways and purposes, trusting that he's going to progressively real, reveal the mystery of fathering in due time if I faint not. And then I have to determine that I'm going to follow through with what I decided, desired and decided to do. Then I have to be diligent to follow through with what I determined to do. And then finally, at the end of that road, I delight in the Father's will and how he has led me to do his will with regard to my kids and my grandkids and looking at the promise of a blessed legacy as I prepare in my own family the way of the Lord, both now and for history's final hour. Do you see how, dads, the future of our children with regard to the Lord when he returns is going to largely be based on whether or not you and I were true fathers. From God's viewpoint, not sperm donors, but fathers. I hope this has been encouraging to you. Yes, it's exhortational. Yes, it might be a bit confronting, but that's okay. That's what the Holy Spirit does, and that's a good thing. Get a copy of the book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts, a $23 hardbound book, Yours for $18 on our website, saveus.org. You can call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us at Save America Ministries. Right, Add $5 for postage and handling. And by the way, a lot of grandparents are buying these books for their sons who are being married. Young fathers sowing the seed as best we can. Happy Father's Day, and God bless. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 